All right, so uh, I'm doing a new podcast, opinion cast, <laughs> on democracy, question mark, exclamation point. Like, I'll put it in there. But I, I'm doing it specifically because we are uh, in the world on an election cycle. Specifically, there was some Brazilian elections, a lot of elections around the world. But as I'm an American, uh, there are American elections going on at the moment. And on Tuesday, uh, maybe one third of the U.S. population, maybe less, will go vote for um, uh, a variety of congressional House and Senate seats. One third of the Senate is up, as it is every uh, two years, and 100 percent of the U.S. Congress is up, as well as uh, state state uh, congressional seats and gubernatorial seats as well. Um, I, I have no desire to speak about specific elections because every place has a different political climate in the United States. But I wanted to specifically touch on democracy because um, I, I grew up in a democracy. I've basically lived in democracies around the world uh, in a, a couple of places. And so uh, my thing is, and I've asked this question oftentimes, is democracy the best thing? I believe in the power of the people, but I also believe uneducated people with power uh, do things that are um, or do things that can be uh, unbeneficial for society. Even though I guess technically everything is beneficial because society is kind of like the mythical phoenix. It at some point will burn all the way down and then come back. So uh, it, it, it inspired me to ask a couple of questions. So my first question is, what are the forms of democracy, right? And so there are quite a few uh, different types of democracies. There's the direct democracy. Uh, obviously, the people vote directly for everything. Uh, there's a representative democracy, which exists in the United States, where you vote for people to represent your vote, which is how, why you have representatives in different levels or of uh, Congresses. There's a presidential democracy where you are. Uh, obviously vote and then there's a president that comes from that democracy there is a parliamentary democracy the one that i know uh, of specifically uh, is the, the the british uh parliamentary democracy where they have uh a prime minister who serves as basically the um the head of the government and then you have an authoritarian democracy which again that is a democracy and people tend to miss that that there's an authoritarian figure that was voted on by the people. Whether the people were educated or not is, is irrelevant because the people voted so you can create the, the image that a democracy existed. Uh, there's a participatory democracy, which is fairly new to me, so I, 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 I'm sure it's something worth uh, talking about, but I'm going to kind of move past that a little bit. There's an Islamic democracy, which is just the democracy and obviously based on um, Islamic law, which you probably will find in a Muslim country. And there's a social democracy, right? And there are specifically two kinds of democracies. Or uh, There's a direct democracy and an indirect democracy. Obviously, the indirect democracy is when you have somebody uh, represent you. And a direct democracy is where people vote directly for everything. And that's pretty significant because that, excuse me, if you think about it, that's where people vote for everything, which kind of makes it slow because 
you have to organize elections, and then after you organize uh, elections, you have to then uh, move forward with referendums and how those referendums get voted on and so forth. Uh, I thought an interesting uh, statistic was that um, presidential democracies have lower levels of representativeness, so it's one person making the decision, <laughs> and, um, but they tend to have higher level of stability. And then you have uh, another interesting t statistic that there are more parliamentary democracies in the world than presidential ones. And that's because I think the people tend to look at that and say uh, it becomes more difficult to uh, replace or remove a, a specific person or president who's in power if you have a presidential democracy. And I think that's, that's one where it, it, it's... It's difficult because then you, you kind of turn that president who was voted on into sort of a monarch-like figure, especially if you had lack term limits or if you have something along the lines uh, they have in Russia where they do have term limits, but uh, term limits for one time, not term limits for life. So, for instance, uh, Vladimir Putin was the president for eight years because the president is limited to uh, eight years total. It's either eight or ten years uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and then they can't be president. They have to. They can't be president more than ten years, eight or ten years consecutively. So then he became the prime minister, which means he became a, a lower level representative elected official. And then he came back after completing his term as uh, a, 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 the prime minister and elected a lower level elected official and became president again, where he'll serve likely another eight to ten years. And then he'll do the same thing until he grows old or he he dies or something like that. Which, again, that, I mean, if the people are voting for him, I guess there's something right. But, again, that also brings into the question of uh, the education of the electorate. So uh, the three, three of the most popular forms of democracy are referendums, initiatives, and recalls. And uh, the, the most famous recall I can think of is in California when they had the recall vote. Uh, for governor, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. There's tons of referendums that come up uh, every every year. It doesn't have to be like a congressional election year, every two-year thing. You get referendums on a regular, as well as initiatives uh, for different things like medical marijuana and things like that. Um, I think uh, it's interesting that it, it's, and I'm just doing my research, I saw that there are, are a couple of characteristics of a democracy. So one is the individual liberty and freedom of choice. And so if the electorate doesn't want to be uh, educated, that's their choice. It's their freedom to be that way. So while I might want the electorate to be educated, it doesn't matter because it's their choice to not be um, educated on issues or whatever the person they're electing is. Uh, majority rule with minority rights. And so it's, it's, a, big, it's a big deal. Because even though the majority might rule, you still have to acknowledge the rights of the minority. And I think that's very positive and popular across the board because, uh, because life works in cycles. A majority will become a minority at some point in time in their, in their history. Uh, the power and the civic responsibility of all adult citizens and democracy really falls in the hands of adults. So parents are also voting for their children until their children are able to... Uh, make adult decisions, and I think that's a really big deal. 
Um, it's a civic responsibility. And free elections. Elections uh, should be free and open to all citizens of voting age. And each individual and each individual uh, uh, each individual you know vote counts exactly the same now it, it, it's interesting because of the electoral college and the opinions that went on with that for the election of the last or of the current u s president but i I think that's for another time so with that you know sort of democracy thing covered i it's 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 about well what, what, what is democracy good or is it democracy yes yeah, the best and I still think education matters so so very much but um, I, I asked the question does the party system uh, benefit democracy because then what it does is it's it put it clusters people for common values common thoughts and while that uh, makes sense on the surface. Within the party, it, there will obviously be differences. So at some point, you have to determine well, what, what are the, the main highlighted uh, sort of foundational uh, ideologies of the party to make a person identify with the party. And uh, how fluid is that? And so in the United States, there's Republican and Democrat. But that's, it's, it's, it's it interesting because one party is supposed to be conservative and one party is supposed to be liberal, but the, the, the term conservative in itself means that you don't necessarily want to change things. You want to uh, maintain what existed uh, from the foundational uh, uh, beginnings of the country, the law, the etc. And uh, I can understand it in many degrees, but in many degrees, it, it, to be ultra-conservative, it, it lacks a progressive movement for the people and the changes of the nation. So uh, to be liberal is, again, it's such a, a loose term where you're, you're looking at people and you're saying, well, they'll just let anything happen. And uh, I, I think the original ideology behind liberals was to, you know, challenge uh, things as they were, as they were foundational, to take a look at those things and say, do these things work? in the current state of society, societal norms, and the advancement of where people are. And it, 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 in some cases, it does work that way, but in many cases, it's become uh, really radical because then uh, everything and anything goes and it, it makes everything acceptable. And while I guess if you're open-minded, anything is acceptable, but at the same time, it, it do we do we coalesce to whimsical ideas of people of how they want to change society and or uh, societal norms? So I I don't know if that's necessarily always the best thing. I think there's there's a room for a hybrid of 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 that, you know. So then uh, so I look at that, and there's other countries that have multiple uh, parties, and those multiple parties then force the government to form coalitions where they have to uh, negotiate with uh, lesser or smaller or parties with smaller numbers to actually accomplish longer goals. And uh, I think that's something that's really powerful because, I mean, that, that makes the quote-unquote little person uh, feel 
a part of the democracy. And I think the, if a person feels a part of the democracy, they become they stay active in the democracy, and they also uh, choose to want to contribute and see the democracy improve and benefit more than just themselves. And it, it, it gives the actual um, the actual desire to work together collaboratively to create things that benefit everyone a greater uh, appeal. It makes it more tasty to have something that sort of everyone can, you know, bear the fruit from. So does the, uh, the party system benefit democracy? I, I, I agree. I think it, it can. But uh, I believe that it has to be more than two. Because life seldom has only two options, a yes or a no, or a black or a white. The world is full of different colors and opinions. And so I think to represent more than two options is very, very important. Uh, in, in the United States and in many places, they, the question is, is democracy about celebrity? Uh, I personally believe a lot of times when we have elections, it's, it's similar to a high school popularity contest. Uh, do you know that person's name? Do you recognize that person's name? What feeling does that person's name give you? And that determines if you vote for them or not. So, hey, this person has X, Y, and Z. Their family is successful. So vicariously, because I know their name and because I know they have stuff, they should be a quality person. And you may have zero idea what kind of person this is. And so I think it's funny when we talk about celebrity and we say, hey, well, you know, we shouldn't listen to celebrities. But uh, we never ask, uh, we use a blanket statement of celebrity, but we never ask what the person has celebrity for. So, okay, a person has celebrity because they, they have business acumen. A person has celebrity because they're an actor. A person has celebrity because they're an athlete. That, because they have celebrity, is not an automatic disqualifier for them to be politically aware. I mean, it, it, that, the, the fact that a person is, is a celebrity does not make them one-dimensional. It does say that one dimension of their personality or their talent is more magnified, but it doesn't take away from the other things that they have. So when we, we, when we discount people for their celebrity, it's quite insulting because if you're a celebrity, if, if you're the best this thing and people want, want to pick you for something and they're like, hey, well, this person is really good at this thing, so they'll probably be good at this other thing. Do you want it to be discounted and say, oh, well, they're not specifically good at this thing. That's, their celebrity is for something else, not this. That's, that's quite... I would call it wrong-headed. I'll be honest, it's wrong-headed. So we have to be careful about how we feel about celebrity. And actually, if celebrity does come into play, we have to ask uh, specific pointed questions about the things that you think the person may or may be or may not be deficient in, and then go directly at it instead of assuming that the person lacks knowledge in an area. And so, because they have celebrity in one area, they lack or they're deficient in another one. So. so uh, is democracy about celebrity? It absolutely is. Anyone who disagrees with that uh, it, it's, has missed who every president has been and how most presidents have been very popular people for some other thing and how uh, um, most people in elected office are popular for some other thing. So you just have to understand it's about celebrity being created. Uh, next, my next question was, well, how can voters become more informed? Well, it's choice. Uh, I can understand when democracy was first sort of form, uh, formulated, 
it was based on what you could get your hands on or if you were literate or those things. But that, that, that's that's irrelevant today. And I understand that uh, we live in a society uh, and specifically talking about the United States where technology is everywhere. So information is at your hands all the time. So if you want to know something, you can know something. And um, it's a matter of do you just go to one source to get your information? I, I pride myself in the fact that I like to look at thing, uh, things from multiple angles just to see where the baseline is, where the middle of the road is for the information because there's normally a commonality in something. And then you make your decision based on that, but you make your decision based on information. Uh, yes, you, your information can come from the news. Sometimes the news is false or sometimes the news is biased. And that's, again, why you do... Uh, your research and you find multiple sources because that's super duper important in actually being informed. I mean, when you go work a job somewhere, you do some research on the job, right? Even though truthfully, we all know a lot of people don't do any research on jobs they apply for. They heard of a company. It's a famous company. They heard you get paid. Well, let me go apply for that company. And if it's a smaller company, then they don't really mess with it. And it's interesting because many people can get paid really well from smaller name companies if they did their research. So if you actually took research into your regular life, you actually can find success in a variety of ways, but specifically in democracy and in voting, research and being informed is super duper important. So how can you be informed? Try, just literally try. Be selfish and find out what's best for you and be skeptical. Be skeptical and say, hey, you know what, I think that sounds really good, but is it totally true? And then question it. Have no problem questioning it. And if you hear bad things, you can accept bad things. And you're like, oh, well, they, this, this person did this thing, but mm, can I accept that? Do they have a habit of that? And then you go from there because, again, your decision is your decision. Uh, the next level, and this one I think is a, a very uh, poignant question that I think, uh, again, goes with being informed. Do voters understand the power and purpose of the offices they vote for? People, I really feel like, uh, lack full knowledge of the offices they vote for. For instance, in America, I really believe more people are starting to believe that the president of the United States functions or has powers to that of a monarch, where it's supreme and they do whatever they want to do. Now, obviously, Congress... Uh, because they're not term limited, uh, my, my, uh, my soapbox, because they're not term limited, are not, uh, there, there's no coercion, there's no motivation for them to ever question the president because they know the president has to go away so they can ride it out for four or eight years. And they'll still be there and that person who was president is gone because what president goes back to be a congressman. It's only happened like twice in, in history. So that person is gone forever. So... In ways, the Congress has allowed the president to become that person of blanket power with executive orders and all these other things. And it, it, it's really, really strange and scary because Congress has the lawmaking power and should be making laws. And the president is supposed to execute laws and suggest things that would benefit the nation. That's what the president's supposed to do. But it's it's seldom that way where if the president says something, people assume it's a law. And we have to be careful because the United States has looked at other countries and we've called them third world and banana republics. And we call them fake uh, 
democracies are authoritarian regimes, which is an authoritarian democracy, and we talk about um, sort of theocracies. But the United States is doing the same thing. And, and, and the thing about it is, is that we, we go in and we go and we change those places, or we attempt to go change those places. And then we, the more and more we change other people, we become like those places we try to change. So we have to understand the power of those offices. So you know when you vote for your federal congressional representative, they'll represent you and roughly 600,000 people, and they're trying to bring jobs and laws that benefit the people of your area, and that person's representing you. And when you have a senator, that senator's representing the interests of your state, and they're trying to bring jobs, and they're trying to bring infrastructure to your state to benefit the people of your state. And you have to understand those things, and you have to understand how that's different than what a president does, and how that person who's your local representative is supposed to keep that president in check and also make sure that that president is carrying out those laws the way they were intended to be carried out, not just any old way that they want to. And, you know, just say, oh, well, you know, we'll wait them out. That's that's not the, how you should allow your Congress, congressional representative and your senator, your senator to represent you. you. You call them to the carpet because they're supposed to represent you. So understand what's in what happens in those offices. But. Uh, the last one that I think that's really, really interesting is sort of state-level uh, offices like um, uh, judges and uh, commissioners of specific things. It's super important to understand that these people affect uh, taxes and regulations of your day-to-day life. And you should look to see when someone's running for something, what they could possibly do to affect you. So the person who is in charge of inspections of buildings... Uh, you need to know what history they have with inspecting buildings. You need to know uh, how many uh, buildings that they have allowed to be finished and be inspected uh, met code. And uh, if they didn't, what did they do? How did they handle that? And your insurance and the commissioners for insurance and how they handle things. And these voters, these, uh, I'm sorry, these judges who are put into place because a lot of these judges, Yes, they're voted in, and then they just stay there because we never know the political stances of a judge. We assume that a judge is supposed to be by the law, but there are judges who have political affiliations, and the law should not have a political affiliation. The law should just be the law. The law doesn't see red or blue. The law doesn't see conservative or liberal. The law is the law, and uh, yes, they are supposed to interpret it, but you have to understand the reason uh, of the law. And if the law is being interpreted in a way that benefits some and not others, and then we have to call and question the law. So be aware of those things and be aware of the power and the purposes of the office that you vote for. And uh, my, my very last question in terms of democracy, are term limits necessary in democracy? And I absolutely say yes, term limits are necessary because uh, there's an assumption that, oh, well, you know, if a person's doing a bad job, they'll get voted out. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, Elections are two, four years, and so you give a person two to four years to make up for something they've done, and whatever they've done that may have been bad, that can go away. And, or it can be brushed under the rug, and they understand that the, the attention span of many people is short. 
So you have to understand that they likely won't be called to the carpet or you'll forgive. And there's nothing wrong for, with forgiveness. I absolutely support that. But here's why I'm in favor of term limits. If you have a person in Congress or who's in the House or the Senate and they're there for 10, 20 years, um, at this point, they've not worked a regular job for 10 to 20 years, right? And so, uh, one, society normally changes 10 to 20 years. It's a generational thing. And unless that person has shown a propensity to change, which many people tend to not do once they become in a position of power, uh, especially when they're voted on and people can't actually see what they're doing, generationally, it's important to change uh, the people that are there. And you can say, oh, we'll, we'll vote people out. Well, if we look in Congress, there's con congressional people that have been there for 20, 30, 40 years. That, I mean, so you have people that are 80 years old who are making decisions on technology, on net neutrality, for example, and have no idea how cell phones work or how the Internet works. But they're making decisions on that. So we have to understand for generational purposes, term limits are important. But the next reason is because uh, it becomes... Uh, uh, to many, a birthright. Uh, for those people who've been in office 20, 30, 40 years, they're in office, their kids, they, they, they're born, they, they have kids, their kids are born while they're in office, and their kids assume that that happens. And if you look at uh, specifically in U.S. politics, there's a lot of people who their children become uh, congressional representatives right after their parents leave the office or their parent dies because of name recognition. Again, uh, that's celebrity. And so we have to understand, uh, one, there, there's an argument of, well, uh, term limits are, won't be good because uh, th these people are specialized in that. Well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, if you do term limits the right way, they would be staggered, just like the um, Senate is staggered or one third at a time. Uh, the, the, those people are up for election. But if you stagger that uh, term limits people for every 20 years, start, you pick a specific point in time. So say we pick the 2020 election and you say, hey, we officially have term limits of 20 years for uh, the House and 20 years uh, for the Senate. Right. 20 years, the max 40 years in, in either house. So now they have to either change houses or whatever, but they have to always be called to the carpet. And so for 20 years, that's 10 elections for uh, a person that's in the House and uh, that's uh, four, uh, four. Yeah, no, three three elections for a senator. And that's that's a long time. They can do a lot of work there. But what it does is that if they know there's an end game to when they're supposed to be done, they work harder. When you know there's a time that you're supposed to be finished, when you graduate, you actually work to get something accomplished. You don't sit there and say, oh, well, I'll just do that eventually. Because that's what happens. They'll say, oh, well, we'll work on this next time. But if you know that there's sand in your hourglass and it's going to run out, they actually will work for you. And the greatest part about it is, is that what it does is it creates motivation for those lower level of, uh, um, P, uh, officials that are elected on state levels of saying, hey, you know, Senator so-and-so, Congress, Congressman so-and-so, their time is about to be up. And I think I can be the next great person. So when people say, hey, well, we can't replace them, there are 50 states with anywhere from 100 to 300 representatives that are elected every single year, every two years that have, understand the scope and uh, direction of government, how government works, and all they would do is shift themselves into the federal government. So, matter of fact, if you looked at uh, uh, 
federal government. Most of those people came from state government. So the, the fallacy of the, the we don't have a chance to replace those people is absolutely false. So then when you put term limits on those people, also you end that golden parachute they have because these people make a ton of money when they're in office, state money. So you get rid of that, 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 that pension that they get after that because they've been working for, for, for their 20 years and you add a new person. So instead of just only 500 people uh, for 40 years doing uh, a job in, in federal, uh, federally elected offices, you have multiple people who have multiple opportunities to step in there. And then your democracy is even more representative of the people because there's so many barriers to entry. Like one barrier to entry I think that's pretty significant is the cost to file for election. And then you have to file, I believe, with a specific uh, political party. I think you can file as an independent, but obviously uh, there's financial finance cam uh, campaign finance laws where you get monies based on uh, a political party. So you have to pay a significant amount of money to even get your name on the, the ballot. And then after that, you know, you have to then affiliate with something. And there's so many barriers for the common man who may have really, really good ideas or the common person that uh, to, to be uh, an actual candidate because we know that being honest writing candidate that that means nothing because you don't have the celebrity to be acknowledged for that so um, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up and I think it's super duper important that we understand uh, democracy I believe is is a powerful thing I, I don't know if there's another uh, form of government that would be as good as democracy, I think every government at this point is sort of a hybrid of another where you have a little bit of socialism in democracy and a little bit of representative or represent uh, Republican democracy. So it just depends on what you're, you're looking at. But uh, I think it's super duper important that uh, you, if you live in a democracy, you're active in that democracy. And so uh, I hope more than 30 percent, 20, 28 to 35 percent of the people in the country of 300 million people vote. Uh, I hope it's more than that. Uh, I think if it gets to 40 percent, that'll be pretty cool. But uh, I, I would like to see a lot of people vote as many as possible. It, whatever the result of the election is, the result of the election. But it, I, at least it tells you something about where the nation stands instead of a, a poll, because a, a poll is 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 cherry picked. So with that, I leave you and say have a fantastic day. And uh, I look forward to having a guest. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry.